0: Welcome to the New Vision Church podcast. New Vision Church is a diverse, Bible-teaching, Jesus-centered church in San Diego, California, and exists to transform people and their communities by replicating followers of the biblical Jesus. Thanks for joining us today. Now here's this week's sermon. All right, all right. We are continuing with our discipleship series, so that's why I brought a saw. You'll see, I'm not gonna hurt nobody. Some people in the front row are going, uh. (laughs) Hey, uh, we wanna continue to celebrate today. We're talking about discipleship, but I'm the student ministries pastor here, the generations pastor. um, And so kind of oversee student ministry activities here. Uh, Jesse, Carmelo, John, Sandra, they all take care of your kids well from Cradle all the way to like college, young adults. Um, And so thank you guys for all your service, what you guys are doing. Um, we celebrate a lot of people, and so uh, there was a couple people who couldn't be here today. I know Tim Pryor graduated bachelor of science in like something sciencey and. <laughs> Like lab lab science. I don't even know what graduating a bachelor in lab science is. It sounds like a smart person degree. So anyway, uh, he's up at Pendleton. Uh, He's serving in the military and they're doing stuff up there. So keep them in prayers. And so uh, I know we have a lot of uh, middle schoolers coming up to high schoolers. So we're also celebrating you, you guys for all your hard work because you made it to high school. So that's a great thing. But today, as we just kind of focus on discipleship, um, uh, I just want us to start off praying for Pastor Pete Uh, He's taking a little bit of vacation, but if you know anything about his family situation all during COVID, there's been a lot of things that the Contreras have had to kind of go through. So while he's been faithfully leading the church and shepherding us, he's also been dealing with uh, mom's mom's situation with her funeral and dad's situation, uh, Julie's mom and dad. And so like the whole thing, they're just doing a lot of family stuff. So can you just pray with me as we pray for them as they get refreshed and also serve? So Father God, Lord, we just come to you as a church fellowship and a body. And God, we say thank you for our leaders that pour into us. And I pray, Lord, that we can help support them uh, during their times, God. And uh, there's different seasons. Some seasons are harder than others. Uh, Some of us are in a hard season right now. Some of us just came out of a hard season and we're kind of coasting right now. And some of us are just getting ready to go into a hard season. And Lord, so wherever we find ourselves, God, I would pray, Lord, for the Contreras. I pray, Lord, that you refuel them and refresh them in the midst of them taking care of their family, uh, trying to make good choices and decisions. And Lord, not necessarily just shepherding their family, but just being a son, um, just being a daughter, being a son-in-law. So help Pete uh, as he gets a chance to be able to be a minister and a witness um, from the inside. Uh, It's one thing to to preach and to tell people this is what the Bible says, but it's another thing to live it out with our family day to day. And they've been been watching him for 25 years, 30 years, and they've been like, uh, even like looking critically at how he leads his family. And I pray, Lord, this would be a great time of harvest and ministry, Lord, as he gets a chance to love on his family faithfully. So Refresh them and bring them back to us uh, full of life and zeal uh, to continue this charge with new vision as we look at our city and we try to like share the life and love of Jesus as much as we can. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen, amen. amen. All right, so today we're talking about discipleship. um, And uh, I've been following all of Pete's sermons and everything. I I teach a little bit differently. And so if you're used to taking notes in a certain way, today you get a chance to learn how to take notes in a different way. Um, So, like, The way that I take notes, like I always like when people put stuff down so I can like get the the takeaways nice and easy. But if you have ADHD similar to me, like I hear him say something and it's not even the point of the sermon and I'm writing it down. You think I'm just like texting people, but I'm taking notes because it triggers my mind to think of something that I want to think about later. So I'm kind of more on that side. So wherever you take notes today, there's no judgment. If I say something stupid, you pull out your phone, you start whatever. I'm not going to assume you're texting to somebody. I'm going to assume you're thinking about it and using it for prayer for later. So I've got, a, I've got a couple takeaways that I think are key, but they might not be the same things that you think are substantial. So feel free to like make your own outline about what we're talking about today. We're going to a couple of different places. So uh, we like, Pastor Pete said, Brent, I'm giving you the easiest passages in all of the Bible to teach. So I don't know if he thinks that I can't handle anything difficult, but. <laughs> But he's like, he's like, basically, all you have to do is read them and they will teach themselves. So, so we're gonna go over a couple of different spots. But before we do that, um, I wrote down some ideas on discipleship and I was just kind of brainstorming. So I kind of get an idea. I sit down and I spend a couple of hours thinking about what that word means to me, thinking about before I even look into what the Bible says about it, how do I think about these words? And so there's a couple things that I have in my mind that I've had for a long time. We are always in the process of learning from somebody and we are always in the processing of teaching somebody. You might not do it on purpose, but you're watching how people do stuff and you're picking up how they do stuff. And if you're a smart person, you try to learn from their mistakes, you try to capitalize on their skills, and if they know something that you don't know, you try to pick that up so you don't have to go through the same sort of things, right? So my, in, my instance for this is this, and I'm not nobody's gonna get hurt today, I hope and pray, but When I was doing urban ministry, and I've been doing urban ministry with Pete since the 90s, but in urban ministry, a lot of times, uh, we don't get the chance to, to have to have all the nice, bright, shiny new stuff. In urban ministry, sometimes we're struggling. Sometimes we're bivocational, sometimes even tri-vocational. There were times I was doing construction, I was doing late night security guard, and I was preaching still on Sunday. And sometimes when there's not a lot of money in the urban community, you don't want to take money from the urban community because you're trying to help the urban community, right? So not every church gets blessed like we do, where we got a chance to sell a building. But we, Pastor Pete, and a lot of us on staff here, we've been been through some struggles for so many years. Um, and just because we sell a church building, don't think that that means that now we're living large, we're still trying to use it for the people. We're still trying to help people get what you guys need. We wanna put stuff in education for you. Um, if you guys don't know, this, there's an educational fund at the church. If you're trying to go into school, you can apply once a semester um, for a $500 scholarship. It won't pay for everything, but it might take care of some of your books. We are trying to put money back into where the people are so that you guys can go ahead and carry on to the next generation. But so that goes back to my, my construction story. So there were some times that, um, like some people might not think I would feel comfortable with this. I'm not as strong as I used to be. But there was a time that this ha- hung on my belt and then I would work on doing demo on houses, doing construction. Like whenever you first do a construction, you get all the dumb jobs. Like, they don't trust you with the good stuff. They're like, Brent, go dig that trench. I'm like, there's a tractor right there. And they're like, yeah, but you're the new guy. So you got to do like two or three days of digging for eight hours so that we can see what you're made out of. And I was like, man, I'm a pastor. I'm made out of like jelly donuts and like pizza. And they're like, they're like, not today. Today you are going to dig. You're going to dig today. And I was like, oh man. So in construction, they got you doing some stuff and you're moving stuff, and there's there's even a conveyor belt that can move shingles up to the roof, but they're like, nope, put that on your shoulder, bro, and you better hike up that ladder. And I'm like, I'm trying to call OSHA, I'm trying to call my mom. (laughs) I'm not happy about it, right? So I'm doing construction, and I see that my boss wants me to go fast, but he also wants me not to get hurt. And there's a fine balance between working fast and working smart. And you can try to work so fast that you start hurting yourself. So I, on accident, I was discipled by somebody that was not smart. And I was watching them work fast, so I picked up some very, very bad habits. So this, this is a worm drive skill saw. This is made for a lot of things, and you can do a lot of damage quickly, or you can build something beautiful very, very quickly. Right? You can lose limbs, right? So some of y'all know where this is going, right? So my. Now, I'm not cutting no limbs off today. Chris, can I turn it on? Okay. So, So there's some moving parts on here that are going fast. And it only takes a minute. Now, the guy that I was working with decided, in all of his great stupidity or wisdom, he decided that they're gonna do something called pinning the guard. Now, if you pin the guard... It does some stuff. It makes it where you can cut things faster, but it also makes it where this little safety thing right here that covers this. I got good trigger control, my finger's off the cut. But this thing right here, this covers the blade from cutting things, right? So they would take this right here, and then he would put the screw in this corner right here, and he would jam the, the blade. So now look, the blade is completely open and exposed. And he would work the whole day with the blade pinned. I saw him, he was my boss. He wasn't the big boss, he was the little boss. But the big boss wants you to go fast um, and he wants you to be safe because he doesn't want to pay liability. But the little boss wants you to get the job done quick. And so my little boss would pin his guard. And so I learned how to use the drill or use the saw like this. Most dangerous thing you can do. Like, and we have people in the industry that got cuts through their legs. Don't think about it. And then here's what else they would do. Brian, I know you're looking at this and just going, man, you guys are idiots, but that's why I don't work for you, or I didn't. But then they would take, listen, they would take their two by fours and instead of putting it down on a table, measure, and do whatever, they would just do a quick cut and they would put it on their foot, right? And they would like hold it out and then they're just like cut it and just put it down and cut it, right? I know you're all scared. I saw you look at my feet, so <laughs> I'll... I'll I'll unplug it so Julie doesn't have a heart attack. So listen, I was was inappropriately discipled in the construction industry because I saw how somebody else did something and I thought that was the right right way to do it. So as we talk about discipleship today, I wanna wanna submit a couple things. Number one, uh, the the, the sermon title is this. You can't sell what you don't believe. And I know Pete has been giving us very, very practical things on how come we should be doing discipleship. It's my contention working with youth and working with kids that are ashamed of the gospel, and maybe you too, and not all just kids. Like, I know Beanie became a Christian on Friday. Good job, Beanie. Woo! Her head's going down right now. But the Bible says, the Bible says, don't be ashamed of the gospel, be excited and share the story right? And so we were having uh, chocolate chip cookies at Hope House the other night, and we're just sitting there just constantly eating. Uh, Julie Pope made us like beautiful Toll House chocolate chip cookies, and the kids didn't want them. They're going to bed. So Jesse and I are like, I'm down. So I took a big glass of milk, and I'm just eating warm chocolate chip cookies. And as we're doing that, Beanie Benny just pops out and just goes, um, I accepted Jesus tonight. And I'm like, girl, that's so much more important than cookies, but we can celebrate with cookies because that's a celebratory thing, right? The Bible says, do not be ashamed of the gospel. What I find is that when people don't tell other people, disciple other people, it's because you go to church and you listen and you think about it and you're like, I kind of believe that, but if you haven't gone all in and you're not totally 100% that this thing is right, you're not gonna tell somebody else. Discipleship should not be difficult. It should be a natural outpouring of what you are doing. And just like my friend, he wasn't trying to disciple me in wrong techniques of skill saw driving, uh, of using. He just was trying to go fast to do his thing. Didn't realize I'm watching him. So I'm picking up what he is doing, whether it's right or whether it's wrong. So as I bring it to us this morning, just understand this. Everybody here is in the process of discipleship. You are being discipled right now. There is somebody that you are watching and you are currently in the process of learning from them. Whether you signed up for it or not, whether you got the class or not, whether you got the notebook or not, you are being discipled by how they live their life. And people are watching you and you are discipling people whether you know it or not. So the question is, what kind of discipleship are we participating in? Are we being intentional about it? If you don't believe what you got, you're not gonna pass that on. So my, my first concern is, do we believe what we got? So this might sound like an evangelistic sermon, but I'm just saying, discipleship will happen naturally if you actually believe what it is that you got. I don't, I don't have to convince you of, of where my favorite taco shops are. I, I'm, gonna, I'm gonna keep going to my favorite taco shops. And as you see me keep on growing, you'll be like, that boy's getting bigger. Those tacos must be good. <laughs> And some of you will say, Brent, you probably need to get to a gym, but before you get to the gym, what tacos are you eating that you can't stop? Now listen, that is a a discipleship moment. I am showing somebody else where I go for the good stuff. If you love Jesus and, and you have a solid relationship with Jesus, it is impossible for you not to share the good stuff with the people around you. They should be asking you. Like, we, like, I'm all about evangelism. Some of you guys are like, like on it. Like you can knock on somebody's door, make a friend in one minute, make a convert in two, you know, and, and like everything's all good. That's not for everybody. Some people get scared to death. I don't wanna knock on somebody's door. I don't even wanna give them free Girl Scout cookies and mess up their day. But I just, I don't like doing that. Some of you love doing that. But listen, everybody in your world should be asking you, what is it that makes you so crazy for Jesus. What makes it that you are so content? How come you're so happy? Even in bad circumstances, why do you still give God glory? Why do you still go to church when he doesn't seem to answer prayers? How come you're in the middle of this when your family hasn't come to Christ? People should be asking those questions of you. So you're either living a small, quiet life because you don't want people to know that you really don't believe. I'm not trying to get rude with anybody. I'm just saying you either try to keep it on the DL so people don't know that you're a believer, or... You're living in such a way that the Bible says, make them ask. If people are not asking about your faith, you might be living too quiet. Now, I know some of y'all are gonna be like, hey, Brent, you're a loud extrovert, so that's easy for you to say. But I'm also gonna tell you, I can also be a quiet introvert. You know, like, no, that ain't happening. I ain't never seen it. Um, I, I, hey, I love, ask my wife. I love not to talk to anybody on my day off, sit at home, watch some Netflix, play some video games. I, you know, I don't even wanna talk to the guy delivering my food. I'm not trying to evangelize him. I'm just trying to be by myself in my pajamas for the day. Right? I don't have to be around people to be energized, but I do understand it's easier for extroverts sometimes to talk to people. But I would submit to you that your lifestyle and your actions will speak louder than your voice ever will. And most loud people get, get put in a category because people don't wanna listen to loud people. So, so if I'm loud, then it's even harder for me sometimes to witness to people because people already automatically assume that I'm gonna be loud all the time. So I have to win them through my quiet acts of service and ministry. So whether you're introvert or extrovert, listen, the ministry dynamic is still the same. As you live your life, people are gonna see, and the Bible says, they will ask of the good deeds that you are doing, and they will inquire about the Savior that has changed your heart and your life. So, as we look into a couple of passages today, I don't know which one's going to speak to you the most, but I've got a couple things in here. So, uh, if you want to turn, we're going to turn like f- uh, four different places specifically. Um, the first one is going to be 2 Timothy 2. So, if you want to look there right quick 2 Timothy 2, verses 1 and 2, it's a very famous verse. Some of y'all know it, some of y'all have it memorized if you went to Awana camp. I heard some laughter. Somebody went to Awana. You're going to recognize this as soon as you hear it. So verse number one says, 2 Timothy 2, 1 says this, this is in the ESV. It says, you then, my child, be strengthened by the grace that is in Christ Jesus. And what you have heard from me in the presence of many witnesses, entrust this to faithful men who will be able to teach others also. See, like Pete has been doing a masterful job breaking down all the things that that discipleship can be. And if you don't know where to start and you haven't been taking notes, that's kind of on you. Go back and listen to sermons. I get about 10 or 12 nuggets every single week that turn into bullet points. And I can just live off of those. And every day I could focus on one or two of those bullet points and I will be a better discipler, a better believer and a better follower of Jesus if I write those things down, look at them and then process them. So for you today, I don't know what's what's gonna make it where you're gonna say, I can do this, but you have been listening to great teaching. Like, I don't know if you know how good you got it and Pete's not here and he probably won't listen to this so it's all good. Um, uh, Like, you don't know, he might be watching, you know, but you don't know sometimes the caliber of teaching because some of y'all, this might be your first church. And you might have just come to the Lord and come here and be like, well, every church is like this. Let me just tell you, there are a wide variety of churches that don't feel like us, smell like us, act like us, taste like us. There's not a lot of us. Now, listen, that doesn't mean that we're better. It just means that we are very unique. So it means that our family culture is very unique. We got every kind of thing under the sun in here. We all up in here together loving Jesus. And we're all equal at the foot of the cross. And because of that, we're able to stand shoulder to shoulder, toe to toe, and say, you, me, we are brothers and sisters in this. We got different financial things. We got different cultural things. People from different countries and continents. We are all up in here together. This is not what the church looks like by and large in the nation. So when you see all the news things talking about all these things and you don't understand what the big deal is, just understand that you live living in like, the, the, as good as it gets here, this side of heaven is a church that I have found. I'm not saying there's not other good churches out there. I'm just saying we are spoiled that I have a person and a friend of every tongue, tribe, and nation. And every day, my hardest decision is deciding what cultural food I'm gonna go eat with with what cultural friends. It is not like that in Nebraska. It ain't like that in some other places I've been in. I've been to a lot of states. man and I traveled to almost 20 states this last year. And the one thing that we saw was not us. (laughs) We traveled a lot of places that didn't look like us. So when people are having a hard time figuring out how this nation is supposed to come together, here's what the nation doesn't understand. We have figured it out by and large because we're following what the word of God says and we are going hard into the word of God. And because of that, we can be a family, but not everybody else has what we have. So when you look at God's word and when you hear Pete talk and share something, understand there are 30 years of failure, of experience, of dadhood, of youth pastor, of struggle. Like Pete has been in the trenches for a long time. Pastor Pope has been in trenches for for a long time. Pastor Nate has been in the trenches for a long time. Some of us have known each other since the 90s. And it doesn't mean since we're old, it doesn't mean we're smart, but it does mean we've seen some life. And it does mean we've seen a couple of different riots in our country. It does mean we've seen some different struggles in the church. We have seen some stuff. We've been to some hospitals. We've been to some funerals. We've been through some domestic violence late late nights. We've had our our hands dirty in the mud that God has called us to for a while. And I want you to say, I want you to understand that because when Pete teaches you, he's not just coming cerebrally, coming to say, here's what you need to do so you can be smart like us. He's not saying that, he's saying, there's a lot, a lot of years of blood, sweat and tears that it leads into the sermons of what we try to do at New Vision. Because we know that life is hard and that God is always good, but we know that life ain't gonna get any easier. And if the Bible is true, then things are gonna get progressively harder until Jesus comes again. So we're looking for it to be easy, but the Bible never said it's gonna be easy. And if we can't figure it out here at New Vision, What chance does a lot of these other churches have that don't have multiculturalism, that don't have multi socioeconomic If we can't do this and let other people know it's possible, then people are gonna be looking for politics to solve a problem that can't be solved by anything else except for Jesus. The Bible says this. The Bible says in in verse number two, it says, so the things that you've heard me say in the presence of many witnesses and trust these ones to faithful one who will be able to teach others also. So my question for you is this. What have, what have you been picking up? And you can write that down. What have you been picking up? If you've been at New Vision six weeks, six months, or six years, what are some things that you have picked up while being here that you have learned that you didn't know you needed to learn or that God has revealed through Scripture? What are some things that you, some nuggets that you've, that you've been able to, to put in your, in your bag? You know, picking up those little shiny stones and carrying them up. Like, what are you carrying with you from your time here with us? And then this is it. So if you've got those things, now what are you doing to share those same nuggets with what's there? It's one thing to sit and get a lot of good information. It's another thing to tell somebody else about the good information that you're getting. Now, it might not be easy. I understand. Teaching is harder than listening. I get it. So I'm gonna actually ask uh, Michelle to come on up. Michelle, our San Diego High graduate, come on up. Give it up for Michelle. All right. All right, Michelle, did did we practice this ahead of time? No, we did not practice this? All right, cool. All right, so we're gonna do something here, and we're gonna tell it. Now, you don't get a chance to use the saw. I know you want that, but you can't have that. Okay, so yeah, you were thinking about using the saw. That's not gonna happen, so. Okay, so I'm just gonna do this real quick so I can get ready for you try this, right? Okay, all right, so here's, I want you to watch me, Okay. I'm gonna take some things out. If you guys can't see, um, I'll talk you through it in a second, but let me just show her right quick and then we just go from there, okay? Here's what I'm gonna want you to do, all right? Oh, thank you very much, my lovely assistant, Amanda in the front row. Okay, here's what I want you to do. See this? I'm gonna take this one right here. I'm gonna take this one right here and I'm gonna place that right there, right? And then I'm gonna take this right here, I'm gonna mark it right here because that's where I want that to go. See that right there? See what I'm doing? Okay, then I'm gonna take this and I'm gonna put it on the on setting and I'm going to, okay, so i put that in there, right? So that's what I'm gonna have you do, okay? You, you think you can see that? You saw how that worked? Yeah. See all those pieces, right? Okay, so I'm gonna have you do that. So hold on one second. I'm making a mess up here, can we get a vacuum up here? Just kidding, all right. So, you, yeah, I'm gonna let you do that. You're gonna, you're gonna do it with me right now. So, okay, so put those things like I did it. Do you see how I did it before? Remember how I did it? Which one won't where? Put, put the little silver one, the gold one right there. Yep, yep, yep. And then then go ahead and put this and mark this where it's gonna go. And I just put a hole right there just so I can see where it goes. Cool, see that? Now I see where the hole goes. Sorry, did you break a nail? Oh, it's hot, yeah. That's, that's kinda happens, okay? So then I'm gonna, I'm gonna put it right here and I'm gonna put my foot on it. See, see where the hole is right here? So I'm gonna put the hole right here and I'm gonna put my drill and I'm gonna push weight on the drill and I'm gonna like just squeeze a little bit. <laughs> Little, little squeezes, okay? See that? Cool. All right. So you watched me do it, and then you helped me do it. So now what I'm going to do is I'm going to have you do it, and I'm going to help you. Cool? So, so here's your drill. Yep. Oh, no, we're going to make one right here, just like you did. So I'm going to put this right here. I'm going to put this right here. And I'm going to mark it for you, and you're going to pick up the drill. Cool. Okay, see where the hole goes right there? Cool. Let's make sure your drill is good, okay? So you're gonna take this. It's a little bit hot. I know it's a little bit hot. Put it right there in the hole, okay? Now you have to, like, push on it a little bit. Do push. Hold it uh, don't hold it. It's gonna hurt your fingers if you do that. So just, like, kind of a small trigger. Squeeze, 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 squeeze. <coughs> all right, good, good, good. That one's stripped out. We're not gonna use that one anymore. So that's good, but you learn, okay? Okay? So we'll put this one on here now, right? So now I'm gonna have you do it all by yourself. So now you got the little one, the big one, and now you got the big screw. See where they go? Okay, go ahead and mark it with that one. Awesome. I know it's taking time. I promise I won't preach too much longer. So now you know where that goes. Okay, so now start it right there. Now the hard part is, you're probably gonna need to put your foot, you don't wanna do it, you need to, otherwise it's gonna spin. Yeah, put your knee on it. There you go. Put it right there. Watch your fingers, because you don't wanna like make your fingers hot. Move your fingers off. Okay, go slow. Slow. Go ahead. That's right. Just small, small. Push down. You got to push. You got to push. You're in charge. Push it. Cool. Good job. All right. Good job. High five. She's a high school graduate, San Diego High, teaching people how to build stuff one thing at a time. All right. Discipleship lessons. Some of you guys know this. Um, there's something, it's called, I don't know who made it, but I was like looking online. There's something called the Peyton's Four-Step Approach in Teaching. Anybody know it? Any teachers in here? No, a couple of y'all, have you ever heard that before? Four-step four-step teaching lesson, all right? So we're gonna talk about discipleship, so I want you to think about it. But, but watch the four steps that I did. Did you guys see those with Michelle? I tried it, we had to do it four times. The first time, what was happening? Yep, I was just showing. She was just watching like she might not have known. Now I had, I had three different size screws up here. Like I didn't tell her that. But, but I showed her that the colors all mattered. So they're all different size. So I had her, I had her set it off an inch and an inch and a half. So she drilled uh, appropriately an inch and an inch and a half down without using a tape measure because the screws were the right amount of size, right? So she got a chance to watch, see what I did. And she was like learning. She's like, I'm gonna do that? Yes, you're gonna do that. So now she can step onto a construction site. And even if somebody doesn't teach her right, She's gonna be like, oh yeah, I know how to do this. I can do a one and a half inch offset and I can screw two things together. And if we're using Trex Dex Composite. I'm totally about that. So now you just increased your resume, girl. Now you can go get a construction job. <laughs> if you didn't finish high school, then you'll be doing a lot of construction. So uh, go ahead and keep that in mind. <laughs> if you finish high school, you can learn that you become a construction owner and then you'll make a lot more money. But so you can look at it. So I let her see what I was doing. And then then I let her help me when I was doing it. The first time she's just picking up information, but she didn't know the screw was gonna be hot. You know, where did I put my fingers? Can I touch this? Probably don't wanna touch that. There are a lot of things in construction that will actually hurt you a lot, a lot, a lot. So, and you learn that, you learn that right away. My boss didn't let me wear gloves because he believed that no gloves was the best teacher of what things were sharp and hot. So you'd be smarter. Yeah, and he said, you need to be able to feel the construction stuff. My hands were all tore up. His hands looked terrible. And I said, bro, how does it feel? And I wasn't married yet. And I said, how does it feel when you want to touch your wife on the shoulder and your calluses scratch her on her arm? And you know what he said? He said, I make enough money. She loves it. He said, he said, I make enough money. We can go get some pedicures and I'll let somebody else massage your shoulders and we'll be sitting side by side getting a group massage. And I'd be like, I'd be like, all right, that's one way to deal with it. Like I came from a simple stock. Like uh, you better, better, better touch your wife's shoulder and tell her you love her. But in his case, his hands were all messed up. So he had an idea of how things were supposed to go but he would show us what we're supposed to do. So in, in, in the example, she sees it and then I do it. And then she is watching and she's participating. Then the next time she is doing it and then I'm adding the help. I'm just, I'm, every time I'm becoming a little bit more away from the situation. And the last one, except for the one little foot thing on there, like she was doing the whole thing. She knew where to put it. She knew how to make all those things happen. Now I could have tried to explain all that to her and talk to her about how fiberboard works and, and like the spin velocity of the drill, you know, like and like and and watch out because the heat's gonna get, but it's easier just to show people what they're doing. Listen, when we come to church and we do church things, studying the word of God, you're getting a lot of information. But there has to be something to be able to get from the no to the show. And so you're getting great stuff. And I hope you understand that you are getting the best as far as I'm concerned out of the four churches I've worked at in the last 30 years. You're getting some of the best practical, hands-on, solid theological, but but hands-on practical teaching that I've ever got at any church I've been at. And I've been in some places and I've been professionally trained and and all those things. And I'm telling you, we get prime cuts of meat all the time. If you go visit a church somewhere else, you might be like, oh, that was feeling a little bit light. It might be because some churches don't have the same same bench that we have. We've We've got an incredible deep bench of people that when Pete's out of town, there are literally five or 10 individuals that can bring the word with, 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 with knowledge of the word, study of the word. Sean's getting his, he just got his MDiv. He's got more education than me and he's getting his doctorate. So we've got a lot of people that can teach the word effectively if you are paying attention. What I wanna challenge us tonight in a couple of minutes that we got left is this. Are you taking that information to a place that you can do something with it? Because if you just come here and get all the good information, Tell people, hey, come to New Vision, go do an outreach. All those things are good. None of, I'm, not, I'm not throwing shade on any of that stuff. I'm just saying you can come here the whole time and never ever get the skills necessary to help somebody else get walked through. Come on. We have a discipleship program and that discipleship program is not gonna fix all of our need for discipleship and New Vision. People are watching you every single day. I do dumb stuff all the time. I was driving to church today and I did something dumb. I do something dumb all the time. I, I'm like dumb, like once every 30 seconds sort of guy. So like, there's all, if you watch me long enough, I will do dumb things. You got that little t-shirt and it says, you know, if you watch me long enough, I'll do stupid human tricks. Like little, I've seen little kids have that. I just, I'm, I invented that shirt. I didn't even know it. I drove in the wrong way coming into church today. I came in that, the out button, right? And there wasn't a whole lot of people here, but you know who was there? Larry was there and Larry drove in and he just put his hand on the hip and he just said, of all the people, Pastor Brent. You know how to read the arrow signs. And I was like, busted. And I tried to make it seem like I was trying to talk to him. Oh no, but I was looking for you. Now that I got you, let me tell you what I need to tell you. If you're here, if you're here, Larry, I'm sorry, I wasn't trying to lie, but I just don't like it. I don't like getting caught when I mess up. Now listen, just because we know the right thing, sometimes convenience gets a hold of us, right? And we don't we don't try to wake up and be like, today I'm gonna be shady. Like I I just wake up and my mind default goes to shady and I have to work to not be shady. And if you're like me, you understand if you, if you holy, then I'm just happy you're here to bring the elevation higher in our church. But some of us understand that shady is our default. It's hard to do the right thing. And it's hard to do the right thing all the time. It's hard to do it once in a while. Hey, some of y'all are just on this very first thing where you've only been doing the wrong thing and God has just barely gotten your life and now you're like, man, he wants everything? <laughs> I just wanted to go to heaven and now you're telling me that I gotta like give him everything? Everything? Beanie, I hope that you weren't led astray, but God does want everything. He wants the joy of your life. He wants you to have the best life possible. He wants to smile, a big Kool-Aid smile every day because he thinks of you and he loves you and he wants to be the loving dad in your life. That's what God wants. God wants to give you everything. But when you join a family, there's some family rules, right? You can't, you don't just make the rules up. Like some of us want to do that, but just like God he don't let us do all that, but sometimes he, he's gracious and he lets it be easy. Like he don't, he don't slam us down right at the beginning. He's like, I'm just happy you at the table, son, but we're gonna have to work on their manners a little bit, you know, and the first meal, he might let us get by doing some stuff. And then he'd be like, son, I want you to watch this and I want you to stop doing this. Is that, is that cool? You know, and then you've got a choice. You can, you can give attitude or you can give gratitude, but one of those two things, you gotta figure out where you are in the middle of that. And when God's trying to gently sand you down a little bit, it don't feel good, it makes us look good, but God's got, uh, he's got the vision of what we're supposed to be in mind. God has something for us. We gotta jump down to some of these other passages. So uh, jump down with me. This is our main passage, Mark chapter 16, 15 and 16. Mark chapter 16, verse 15, 16. This is the easy one that Pete said, I can't mess up. Now, when we talk about discipleship and there's some verses that people, they're the go-to verses. We're gonna go over some of those go-to verses. But, but underneath all of that, I want you to have the, 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 come see, come follow, come show, and come serve idea behind the information. If you just leave it with the information, you're gonna walk out and be like "Oh, thank you, Pastor Brent, that was very enlightening. I learned a lot. And I'm gonna be like, but I don't want you to learn stuff, I want you to do stuff. I want you to be able to grab the drill and be like, I can make this happen now on the discipleship side of things. The Bible says this in Mark 16, 15. Mark chapter 16, last last chapter of Mark. Mark 16, 15 and 16, it says this. And he said to them, and he said to them, go into all the world and proclaim the gospel to the whole creation, everything, everybody. Whoever believes and is baptized will be saved, but whoever does not believe will be condemned. Listen, the great commission, right? So Jesus had a mission. We are on his co-mission. We are fulfilling the same mission that Jesus had. Jesus came with the mission and now we are jumping on board. That is what we call the co-mission, the commission. It's the great commission. We are continuing Christ's mission to let everybody knows until he comes back that this is the way that the world is supposed to be in God's economy. We call it the upside down economy, right? Because the Bible says, the first shall be last. And you know when you, when you fight for something, you're gonna lose it. And all these things, and you're like, oh Jesus, I'm really confused about all this stuff. That's why it's a process. That's why when you come to the word, it's easy to read the words. It's hard to get the application sometimes because the words aren't inherently difficult. Some of them are, I mean, like there's like words like propitiation and whatever, justification, there's big words that are hard to get, right? But by and large, the stories make sense. Jesus was talking to farmers and fishermen, people that were soldiers that understood blue collar work. He's not talking to highbrow folks. He's talking to everybody that can handle a drill and be like, oh, if I can handle a drill, I can do discipleship. And so Jesus was saying, this is how you fish in real life. This is how you fish for people. This is how you farm in real life. This is how you farm for people. This is what happens when you're a soldier for the Roman army that you didn't choose. This is what happens when you're a soldier in my army and I am choosing you. It is easy when you see how God was setting those things up and Jesus came and listen, Jesus was so plain, it made all the church people mad because that's not how they saw Jesus was gonna come. They saw Jesus shows up carrying a saw and a drill as a carpenter and they're just going, where's his golden rod stick and where's his crown and where's his chariots and where's his throne? And Jesus is like, I didn't come for all that. Like y'all think you will, y'all can have that. I came for those that know that we need something different. I think the answer that we've got right now in our country is not more legislation. And I don't think any rules ever in our country. I mean, I'm not saying we can't try to push on legislation. I don't think what we have a problem in our country is a legislative problem. I think it's a sin problem that is only gonna be started and fixed in the heart. I'm not saying that we can't try to be more fair and do stuff that's gonna be more more fair for everybody so everybody's got the same shot, but I'm saying at the end of the day, laws don't change hearts. It's only gonna be y'all in here where your heart is changed and then you're feeling free to talk to somebody and say, yes, let's do those things, but we can't just go ahead and change laws without changing hearts because then you're not gonna have any true change. People are just gonna be hiding in different ways. The Bible says that we that know better, we can't live as those people that have no hope. Right now, our nation is in need of hope. And that's not gonna come from a president, whoever you think they are. It's not gonna come from that. It's not gonna come from gun laws. It's not gonna come from reallocation of funds. The hope is only gonna come when people start to realize that those of us that are believers, that we have had the plan for 2,000 years, and some of us have been way too quiet for way too long. And we want to live a quiet life. The Bible says there is great gain to living a peaceful and quiet life. It says it in the word. So I'm not trying to tell you, be an instigator, but I'm trying to say, live in such a way that it matters so that people ask you, why are you different? If you haven't had a conversation recently about that, I just want to challenge you. You probably need to find somebody to have that conversation with. But here's here's the hard part. You can't start the conversation. If you ain't living it, then you haven't earned the right to speak it. And there's a lot of people that we got so much speaking to do. My mentor used to tell me, my discipler said, we got two ears and one mouth, so we should probably be listening twice as much as we speaking. But some of us talking about like, well, this is my spiritual call. I'm going to save the world. I'm like, number one, that was never your job. That was the co-mission with Jesus. And Jesus said, go into all the world, preach and teach, live it and baptize. But you ain't going there to make a noise. You're going there to live life. We got to get to a couple places because I want to finish up and I don't want you guys to be frustrated with our time. Uh, turn with me to 1 Thessalonians chapter two. 1 Thessalonians chapter two. This is the, the pastoral epistles like Timothy, Titus, uh, Thessalonians. There's some stuff in there to the church and to the pastors. It's 1120. Okay, we're doing all right. Thessalonians chapter two. Verse number three. Says, for our appeal does not spring from error or impurity or any attempt to be deceptive. I'm not out here to deceive you. Like whether you believe in me or don't believe in me, like I'm not benefiting off of those things. I'm not trying to coerce you. I'm not trying to manipulate your thought. Like the the, the disciples were just saying, we're just trying to teach what we've been hearing. This is what God told us, and we're trying to pass it to you. You take it and you do it with you with whatever you want. If you don't want to believe in Jesus, that's cool. You keep coming to church, we'll keep praying for you, we'll be there for your family. But the life change is gonna come when you let Christ inside, and then he will start to develop you on the inside. And then we'll be truly in one accord. But if you don't believe it, that's fine. You keep coming until God gets a hold of your heart. But he says here, our appeal, we did not come from anything. There's no error, impurity and purity in our attempt to deceive. But just as we have been approved by God to be entrusted with the gospel, so now we speak not to please men, but to please God who tests our hearts. For we never came with words of flattery, as you know, or as a pretext for greed, God is witness. Look, I, I'm a people pleaser. I like people to like me. So one of my, one of my core values is I want people to like me. So I wanna do whatever I can do to kind of be liked. It really bothers me when somebody doesn't like me and it frustrates me. I stay up at night. I, work, I, I try to figure out how I could have made the conversation better. I'll try to buy you cookies. Don't just come tell me I don't like you so you get free cookies. But I'm saying, I really don't like people not to like me. But here's the, here's the hard part. As a minister, it's not my job to have your opinion about whether you like me or not. If I'm worried about you saying those things to me, I'm never gonna say what I think God is calling me to say that the church might need to hear. Then I'm so worried about what you're thinking of me. I can't actually get to my job. And one of these days, I got to stand before God Almighty and you're not going to be there. And I'm going to have to tell God, I did not say what I was supposed to say because I was afraid that they weren't going to like me. And that's not my job, but that is definitely my battle. I want to be liked, but more important than that, I want my father, my God, my heavenly father to say, well done, good and faithful servant. And I don't want him to say, why didn't you use the gift that I gave you? And why didn't you tell more people? Why didn't you show more people? You got all the head knowledge, Brent, but your heart's amiss because you're more concerned about Netflix and politics than you are your neighborhood. Oh, my, 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 my. I've gotta make sure that I'm gonna to answer to God. And guess what? You gotta make sure that you're ready to answer to God too. Come on, come on. Some of us are closer to him than others, like as far as getting ready to die. But I'm just saying one day, some of y'all thinking, some of y'all thinking, oh, that's egotistical. He's trying to say he's closer to God than us. No, it's just that I'm I'm older. So like, I'm probably gonna be closer that way. Some of y'all gotta check yourself because you were like, you were like, that pastor, I can't believe. Okay, oh, he's saying he's out of shape. That's cool. Okay, now I'm with him, right? Listen, there's gonna be a day that you are gonna be standing face to face with the Lord God Almighty. And when that happens, he's not gonna ask you what did new vision do? He's not gonna ask you how many kids we met for the toy drive. He's not gonna ask us how many neighborhood people we gave flyers to. He's not gonna ask about all the things that we did, that the church that we all did together, that are really good things the Bible says we're supposed to do. But you're not gonna be able to take the pedigree of all of us and bring it with you to Jesus to stand on that day. You, the Bible says you can be standing naked before him and he's gonna say, what did you do with my son Jesus? And how many people did you lead closer to the kingdom? Woo! And how many people followed you and went the wrong way? And you'd be like, Jesus, I didn't lead them that way. He's like, you're right. You didn't lead nobody no way. But those people are following you just the same. New Vision, you realize that when I go out in public and I wear a New Vision hat, that I am accidentally representing you and you might not even know it. And if I do something stupid, that you take heat for that. And likewise, when you do something stupid, we also take heat for that as well. We're on the same team. We gotta, we gotta realize that we're in a family together. Anybody ever have a family where your parents told you, like, I had a really stern, a pretty strict family, and my dad used to always tell me, the way you act in public demonstrates how we are as a family. You will not disrespect our family. You will not act a fool. You will be quiet and not be, not be loud. You will not throw a tantrum or you will get some spankings when you get home. Yes. Now, I know that's not all politically correct because some of y'all be like, man, your parents should have gone DSS. We got to go call Mr. and Mrs. Hyden. He's 80 years old, but he can still go to jail, right? Some of y'all be thinking that. But I'm just telling you my parents were pretty strict about the Bible, spare the rod, spoil the child. And I'm not saying, and I'm not saying that they did a perfect job, but I'm saying my parents with all their integrity tried to follow God, and they were fearful that they were going to have to turn me and my brother over to God one day and say, "God, we did our best and we didn't listen to what everybody else said." You guys want to hear something? You guys want to hear something crazy? I wasn't allowed to go to youth group at my church when I grew up because my parents didn't trust the youth leaders. So I'm the youth pastor here. And I know some of y'all be like, nah, I ain't sending my kid to that guy, that guy's crazy. <laughs> like, listen, I not only understand it, I not only understand it, I would wanna go to youth group, my parents would be like, no, those youth letters are a hot mess. I don't know if they didn't even know Jesus. And so my parents wouldn't let me go. So there was nights I sat at home crying in my bed, angry that I couldn't go to youth group because my parents were so mean. And it was only later that I found out that there was some shenanigans going on in the youth group. People were getting high. People were getting drunk. People were creating life where they shouldn't have been creating life. Having babies we didn't expect to be there. They were multiplying, but it was happening within the youth group. And I didn't know none of that. And I was just like, I just want to go to Magic Mountain, Dad. (laughs) Listen, listen, I understand. I understand that we all have our, our, our own way that we do our life and our family. The Bible says, as for me and my house, We will serve the Lord. Listen, as the youth ministry head of the youth ministries at New Vision, it is not my job number one to corrupt your kids or number two to save your kids. Your job as the family is to be the is be the shepherd of your own household. I thought somebody was coming to bounce me out right now. I was like, oh, that's Franklin. We good? I just saw someone coming. I'm like, I'm like, okay, I'm done. (laughs) He he had his head down. He was just walking. I was like, oh, here we go. I was like, Julie, security, get him. Move move that man out of here. (laughs) Now, I know he wouldn't. I know you would have had him. (laughs) So, hey, listen, I got to land the plane. I got to finish this down. But here's what the Bible says. It is your responsibility, parents, to shepherd your own kids. It is our job as a youth ministry to come alongside you and to do stuff. There's a lot of things that we have on the calendar that you may or may not like that we're doing. It is totally your prerogative to be like, yeah, we can't go there. And listen, I will support you every single time. And when your kids come to me and be like, I just wanted to come, my parents are so mean. I'm gonna tell them, you know what? It's your parents' job to pastor you, not not mine. The fact that you've got parents that love you enough to shepherd you, like you should consider yourself blessed and fortunate. Like I'm here for the kids that don't have the parents helping them make those choices and calls. It's not about how many fun things we're gonna do. It's about how much we're trying to do to keep kids on the right track, choosing Jesus and being ready for what's next. All right, we gotta we gotta be done here. Now listen to this next part in Thessalonians. Jump down a couple of verses. First Thessalonians two eight. It says, "So being affectionately desirous of you, right? I might sound weird. I, mean, I just say I'm affectionately desirous of you, um, <laughs> because my heart is good towards the church, the bride. I can say that my heart is in a good spot. I want the best for you, but because I am affectionately desirous of you as a church, right?" We are ready to share with you not only the gospel of God, but our own selves because you have become dear to us. Listen, as a pastor, it is so easy just to preach the word. I love preaching the word. I love teaching. It's a gift for me. Like I enjoy it. I enjoy the study. I enjoy the preparation. I enjoy the delivery. I enjoy praying with you afterwards. I enjoy this. This is what I love to do. But you know what the hard part is? My life is open to you all the time, not just on Sunday. Somebody said, pastor, what do you do all the rest of the week since so you only work on Sunday for a couple hours? Sure. They, 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 people ask me that stuff all the time. What, where do you work? At the church. They're like, oh yeah, but what do you do not on Sunday for a couple of hours? I work at the church all the time. i like, <laughs> they don't understand. I've probably been in court more than cops. I, I've probably been at Department of Social Services as many times as many times as a lot of social workers. We spend our time in and out doing things, going places, standing up on behalf of those that can't have anybody to stand up for themselves. I spend sometimes more times at the park than the people that work at the park. Sometimes I spend more time in the neighborhood than cops even show up in my neighborhood. There's always stuff. Last night, Amanda and I were playing uh, gunshot, firework or backfire in our neighborhood because it just happens in our neighborhood like that. We don't know. It's either a gunshot or a firework or a backfire. And so, like, so we'll hear something and then we just, we listen for a second one and we were like, backfire or gunshot or whatever. If it's gunshot, then we hide, you know? (laughs) Listen, listen. I am, I am the spiritual representation of Jesus on my block. And I'm there for a reason. And I might not have chosen that to be my church area. But when kids are on my neighborhood, the kids are outside. There's stuff going on at three, four, five o'clock at night all the time in my neighborhood. There's a school across the street. Every bit of shenanigans happens on my street. I got to go outside and clean up condoms, underwear, blood, whatever. I On the street, right in front of my house all the time. It is my job as a believer to live in the midst of that and try to represent salt and light as much as I'm able. Me living my life, and that's not just for me. I'm just saying you also should be cleaning up all them things. You can call Parks and Rec and say, hey, we got some issues across the street. How hard is it to walk over there with the broom and a mop, clean up some stuff, get to know some people? Guess what? It gives me some sweat equity in my neighborhood when I see a kid peeing in my front yard because he's playing soccer and they didn't have the bathrooms open because of COVID and he's peeing in my front yard. I'm like, how's this gonna go? There's a couple of ways this can go. I'd rather have a friend, you know, and I don't wanna go outside and be that guy, but I also didn't want my wife to walk out and see some dude just peeing in my yard. So I have to walk out there. I gotta, I gotta do some hard stuff sometimes. And they can say it's racially motivated. It's not racially motivated, bro. You are peeing in my yard. <laughs> I don't care what color you are, don't pee in my yard. <laughs> and so I asked him, I said, hey, this is my neighborhood. Don't do this in my neighborhood. He goes, this is my neighborhood too. I said, oh, really? Tell me what house you are, or I'll go pee in your yard. And he looked at me like I was crazy. And I was like, bro, do you understand how crazy you sound right now? If this is your neighborhood, why would you do this? I, and I said, maybe there's nobody there to tell you that, but men don't act this way. And you need to be a man. And I don't want you to get mad at me, but this is not the way that we act. This is not what society needs. It doesn't need more people crying and saying some stuff. You need, you need to suck it up and do whatever. I guess I probably should have invited him to come into my house and use my bathroom, but I was afraid that he was gonna throw rocks in my house. So I didn't even walk back into my house. I walked down the street and walked down the alley and I jumped the fence and went back into my yard. <laughs> hey, I'm bold, but I ain't that bold. <laughs> Some of y'all know. <laughs> hey, we gotta get done. We gotta get done. All right, uh, there's, there, there's, another, there's another passage here. Don't turn it. I'm just gonna quote it real quick and you can check it later and see if I'm lying to you. Acts 1.8, it says, but you will receive power when the Holy Spirit has come on you and you will be my witnesses in Jerusalem and in Judea and Samaria and to the very ends of the earth. This goes back to the same thing. It's one thing to know it. If you're writing stuff down, it's another thing to practice it. And then it's another thing to show it. If you don't know it first, then get the information. Come here, listen, take notes, get it. Once you get it, you gotta start thinking about it. Once you start thinking about it, you gotta figure out, are you gonna practice it? Those are the first two steps before discipleship. We can tell you how to disciple, but if you don't know it, you can't disciple. And if you can't can't practice it and get it for yourself, you can't teach somebody else. And then it says, you're gonna have to show it. Remember I told you, we, we can't sell what we don't believe. If, if, if you ain't in this, we can tell you to disciple all day long. But if you're, if you're hardy in this, you ain't gonna tell somebody to go somewhere you don't believe in. Anybody here made a recommendation for a place that you have not been to? I don't do that. I, I, can, say, I can say, I've can say i heard that this place is good, but my standard's are a little bit higher than most people. So I'm not even gonna say that that's a good spot right now. Not until I've tasted the goods that I know this is a place that I would recommend to go to. A couple years back, I was gonna write a book and it was gonna be about food. It's either gonna be about food or Jesus, right? So, but I was gonna write a book and the book was gonna be, it was gonna be called for locals only. And it was gonna to be to let people know where the best places that I thought food was in cultural categories, according to $5 menus, $6 menus, $7 menus, $8 menus, $10 menus. Like, like, so I would know if you want Thai food for $7, here's where I would go. You want Filipino food for like $6, here's where I would go. If you want whatever, right? I was gonna do that. And then Yelp came out, and then all the food things came out, and I didn't do it. <laughs> but people would come to me, and even still today, I get phone calls from people for normally a couple reasons, because I have a couple hobbies that I'm m- mixed with. But normally it's like, Brent, I'm having a spiritual problem. I need some help. Can you talk me through something? That's probably first. I wanna say that's first. But the second one's probably like, hey, Brent, I'm in this neighborhood, this zip code. Where's the best taco shop in the neighborhood? <laughs> I get those calls all the time where's the donuts, right? (laughs) Trying to eat a little bit healthier. But as we close, Chinese food, (laughs) all right? Don't talk to me about food right now. You're just gonna make me start having hunger pains and growling and I gotta land the plane. Hudson Taylor says this, it's not an option to be considered, but it's a command to be obeyed. Talking about the great co-mission. Hudson Taylor, it's not an option. It's not optional. It's not the buffet line where you can choose what you want and then say, oh, I choose not that. That's not what this is. It's not a side course. This is the course. This is our mandate. You already have the mission. Now this is where we're supposed to go with it. The last part says here, and I'm just gonna close it out with this. It's already 1136. It's one thing to know it. It's another thing to practice it. It's still another thing to start to show it. And it's another thing to launch somebody else to be it. I don't know where you are, but just like as we just kind of close out, I wanna ask you some some kind of personal questions. You don't have to write all this stuff down so people can see it. But I wanna ask you, who right now is currently, you already been discipled before, that's great. That's not my question. Who's currently discipling you? Currently, right now. You might've finished Discipleship 101, good for you. You get a plaque. We'll put it on there. We'll celebrate you. We'll do all those things. That doesn't complete your discipleship journey. So my question is, who is currently now discipling you? That's, that's, that's one question. I see some fingers pointing to some people. That's, that's good news. Number two, who are you currently discipling? Because both those things have to happen. Listen, if you're, if you're here right now and you're feeling like you're going to get, a, get a out, like, well, I just go to church in New Vision, so he ain't talking to me. No, I'm definitely talking to you. I don't care how old you are, my oldest mentors are still being discipled by somebody. My dad is 80 years old yesterday and he is still, he is still teaching me how to be the man that I hope I could be half of because my dad is such a great man. And he says some things wrong and he was born in a generation that's not PC and like I have to look at it, but I know his heart. I know what the Bible says, I know where he comes from, I know the labor of his love, I know the content of his character, I know how he's loved his kids for his whole life, I know how he's been faithful to his wife for his whole life, I know how he's been faithful in the same church for the last 30 years, 40 years since he got saved, without complaining, well, he complains, but without leaving. (laughs) Hey, when you, hey, you can complain, I'll give you an old person complain card, you go ahead, I'm gonna love you anyway. Hey, just wait till you get to 70 or 80, okay? Some of us, some, yeah, some of us are complaining a little bit too soon. Who, who are you discipling and who's discipling you? Who have you passed on? And you Think about these things. Write this down this week. Who have you discipled in the past that has gone on to accomplish great things in Jesus' name that you are part of their life? You ever seen somebody doing something well that you hadn't seen in a couple of years? It kind of make you feel a little bit good. Like, you know, there was a there was a kid at the at the, the youth event that we went to on Friday. There was 300 people at this youth camp, this youth thing that we did, right? And at the youth kid, somebody just came up to me and he's like, "Oh, Pastor Britt. and he's like bigger than me, taller than me, stronger than me, better looking than me. He's just better in all the things than me. And I'm sitting there and I'm like, I'm like, bro, what are you doing? And he's like, I'm the youth pastor at this church, and I haven't seen him in four or five years when he was my youth kid at my church and he's been on a journey and I'm excited to see that he has moved past me and he loves Jesus more than he loved my friendship and he didn't need me to hold his hand to get to Jesus because he is walking with Jesus in his own way and he is going forward and if I fall off hopefully and prayerfully I don't if so come get me because I'm gonna fall off really hard and dark, and I'll be a terrible person, so I give everybody permission. If I fall off the Christian train, you just come take me out and send me to Jesus. Like, y'all have permission? If I ever fall off, Amanda will probably be first, because her, her and her dad will come get me first. But if they can't find me, you just come wipe me out completely. If I stop, if, if I, stop I pray that the message and the life and the way that I've lived will continue and the people that have followed in the way. The Bible says this, and Paul said this, not egotistically, follow me as I follow Christ. And he wasn't saying it like arrogantly. He was just saying, as I'm following Christ, you follow me. If I don't follow Christ, you stop. People start following church leaders too much. You see them fall, and then the church falls apart. They should have been looking at it. Now understand, it's hard. When you watch a leader fall, it would be difficult for all of us, right? It would be difficult. Like I'm making light of it, but if I fall and your kids are looking at me in youth group, it would be very hard for them to stay connected but the message still goes forward. Jesus is still true. His word is still the authentic word of God. The only one true one, Jesus still has a plan. Even if I mess it up, if I mess up my relationship with my wife, it doesn't mean that God doesn't work. It means that I didn't use marriage the way that he has intended it for us to have a proper union. I'm the one that screws that stuff up, not God. His word is true and the world is gonna keep changing the definitions, but we gotta stick to what the Bible says. This is where the word of God starts from. And if people don't like that, they're gonna have some issues. And trust me, they're gonna have more issues every year we go on. There's some crazy stuff going on right now in grade school. They teaching little teeny kids in first grade how to touch themselves sexually. That's like on the books in some curriculums right now that it's okay to do as a one as a first grader. And I'm like, I'm like, what? You know, some of y'all going, what school is that? I'm gonna write my congressman. You can do that, but I'm saying there are crazy things happening. But the Bible says I am undeterred because as for me and my house, I will choose to serve the Lord. I'm going to leave it there because we're, I'm 18 minutes over. So pray with me so we can finish worshiping today. So pray with me, please. Father God, God, I just thank you, Lord, that we, can, that we can celebrate the truth of your word. And God, I thank you, Lord, that your word is true. I thank you, Lord, that your word is unchanging. I thank you, God, that your principles last. Lord, that you are doing the family before you ordain the church. God, the first thing you did was commission the family to do what the family does. God, and I would just pray, Lord, that we would not be so caught up in what somebody else is or is not doing. But Lord, what am I supposed to be doing? I'm supposed to be leading this generation, the next generation. I'm supposed to be being discipled by the generation ahead of me. I'm supposed to be taking, processing, learning, receiving, passing. I'm supposed to be doing all these things, God. So Jesus, in your holy name, God, I would pray, Lord, that we would be more critical about how we live less critical about the messages that we hear because we need to take that message and put it into a way so we can apply it. And God, all of us, it doesn't matter whether I I preach right or preach wrong, say the wrong word, the wrong verb tense, if I don't use the wrong, right illustration. God, the message is the message and you are either working and stirring in our hearts or you are not. And God, so I would pray, Lord, that as we come, God, we are celebrating education. We are celebrating those that are graduating. But Lord, let us not become more in love with our education than our application of what you are trying to teach us, God. God, I pray, Lord, for our discipleship. I pray, Lord, there would be healthy ways, God, for us to demonstrate to the next generation how we're supposed to live. And God, we're either gonna tell them how we did it right or how we did it wrong, but people are watching. God, so if there's somebody here that needs to come back and say, God, I've been, uh, I've been away for a minute and I need to get this right. God, if there's somebody here that's in that situation, I pray, Lord, you'll bring them home. And they will realize that there is no judgment here, but God, that you want the best for us. You have a whole life for us. You've got an abundant life for us. You've got the best things this earth has to offer right here for us. And serving you, there's no other thing I'd rather do. There's no other place that I'd rather be than right here in front of you, Jesus. So God, I would just pray, Lord, as we finish this time out, Lord, that you convict our hearts, that you work inside here, God. Help us to understand the truth of your discipleship. Thank you, Lord, for showing us. Thank you, Lord, for modeling it. And thank you, Lord, for passing it on so we are now commissioned to continue your mission. God, we love you and we praise you. And we ask all this in Jesus' name. Amen. Thanks again for joining us. Contact us or learn more at our website, newvision.city. See you next time.